0: You're listening to All Things Video, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the past and charting the future of the online video ecosystem. If you're a frequent listener, I wanna let you know about listener support for All Things Video. I often joke that doing this podcast is my favorite way I lose money every month. There's a lot of time and hard work that goes into producing each episode and hiring a professional editor to make them sound great. It really is a labor of love, so I'm happy to do it, but we'd really appreciate your contributions to help improve future episodes. If you'd like to make a small monthly donation, please visit anchor.fm slash all-things-video slash support. And we'll include that link in the show notes. You're listening to All Things Video. I'm your host, James Creech, and today's guest is Cameron Brown, an international speaker, executive coach, and musician. Cameron, welcome to the show. Hey, James. Great to be here. Yeah, glad we get to do this. I wanted to start off and, and, you know, chat a little bit about your upbringing. You were raised in a remote part of the Australian Outback. So I'm curious, you know, what was life like for you growing up? A lot of space. (laughs) A lot of, I mean, the closest town for us
1: was about two, two and a half thousand people. So uh, I grew up on a farm out there, my family's still out there. And I think there's been a few things, now that I appreciate more than I did back then, one of them is the space and the quietness of it all. Uh, the stars at night, where there's more stars than I've ever seen anywhere that I've been in the world. Um, still, uh, of all the places I've been, there's nowhere that I found better than back there. You know, the beaches are are untouched. While we're we're very much regional Australia, it's it's along the coastline, and you know you get the entire beach to yourself. So all of that, all of that was amazing. You know, very much a sporting. Community, um, Australian football, and tennis and cricket and things like that. So, you know, I had a brother and sister and a middle child, so <laughs> tended to be the problem child. Uh, didn't really feel like I fitted in from a family point of view at certain times, as well as in within the community. I, yeah, there were just certain things that that I uh, felt out of place in and I felt challenged by by being there. And because there's not the ability to go to different you know to a different school for example or a different place it's you've only basically got one option and and so yeah you know had to make the most of it i still remember as well in in grade 12 i did singing lessons over the phone because that was it was called open access then and it was uh because we didn't have it the, the closest singing teacher was like about nine hours drive away <laughs> and so you know that it was before internet times and before the ability to utilize video calls or things like that it was yeah purely done over the phone and, uh, and a, a pretty ordinary phone at that and so yeah that's a uh, you know again we had to had to do with you know whatever we had and in my high school my final year I still remember <laughs> my, a friend of us saying that they had about 700 people in their in their grade 12 alone I said, really? we had eleven. Wow, and uh, that was it. yeah so so yeah, you know it was I, I I look back at it and and I'm very appreciative now for me growing up there back then, not so much, while there was certain things that I loved, there were certain things that I didn't. And so I think it's how you reference it in your mind long term though that that determines how you how you perceive it going forward and and I, I'm hugely appreciative for being back there every year now you know, one or two months with my family.
0: And you mentioned the singing lessons. And I know that music has always been a big part of your life. Mm. What originally attracted you to music or inspired you to become a musician?
1: Yeah, I I mean, mum put me in music lessons. Like, luckily, we had a piano teacher there and she she was amazing. And I started in year three through to year eight. And I, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it right from the start. It wasn't like I was being forced into it. I think I, there were a couple of times earlier than that year level where personally, uh, my aunt had a piano up in her house. For example, we had a piano in our house at home. And so there was, there was that around and then, yeah, I really took to it. I learned for five years and after those five years I had, a there was a pretty challenging time for me personally where I stopped playing. I felt like something happened at, with one of the students at school, minor thing, looking back on it, but it was a, it was a major thing for me because I, I stopped music altogether. I didn't think it was cool anymore and fitted into what somebody else's definition of what cool was. And mm. in the process that I, I completely lost myself. I was depressed. I was, I uh, didn't want to be here anymore. I, I didn't feel like I belonged. And you know, the one thing that I felt like I had a sense of belonging in and like I felt my place in the world, i I lost sight of completely and and it wasn't until a couple of years ago two or three years ago that i realized that the correlation between the really challenging time that i had in my teenage years because it was about 13 to 15 years of age and the correlation between that and me stopping music was so in sync and i didn't know that and it was a it's been a beautiful lesson for me now in my life of the the moment that you fall out of alignment with what you're really wanting to experience and make other people happy is the moment that you lose sight of what makes you happy and what allows you to experience fulfillment. And so, yeah, it was a, a very powerful lesson. Luckily, I'm still here and and uh, didn't do something stupid. And yeah, it's uh, have, have been able to learn
0: from it as a result of that. So I'm curious how you tackled those issues and how you helped resolve them for yourself, and and then you know parlayed that into a career in which you could help others navigate the same sorts of challenges.
1: Mm. I mean, back then, I had no idea what I was doing, because the unfortunate thing is, is, that what I know now, which is things around emotional intelligence, for example, are simply not being taught in schools. They're not part of the curriculum. And, and for me, I, I think that's criminal, to be honest, um, especially with today's day and age and things like technology. Social media can be an amazing tool. But if you give something that's addictive to somebody who doesn't know why it's addictive and how to adapt their behavior, they're going to have some challenges. And back then, I, I, I didn't know why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. I didn't know why I didn't feel like I belonged or why I didn't love myself, why I didn't appreciate myself, why I didn't respect myself. I had no idea because there was just no education around that. Music really helped me in that regard because I started writing about what I was feeling and the challenges that I was experiencing. And I, I really worked through a lot through that and... You know, it's had a massive impact on my life and it's, it's why it's become a big part of what I do now as well. But it wasn't until in my, I think maybe even into my late teens, early 20s to mid 20s. And then onward from there, that, that I started learning why it was that I was experiencing what I was experiencing and having a newfound awareness for it. And then being able to actually regulate my behavior, adapt my behavior to enable me to yeah, adapt to any challenging situation that's come my way ever since. And it's not that it doesn't, it's not, it isn't still challenging to overcome. But if you haven't got the awareness about why it's happening in the first place, and then probably even, well, on par at least in terms of importance, the ability to change that behavior with frameworks and ways of being able to get in there and make the change, then. Yeah, either you're going to have the awareness and then it's going to become even more frustrating because it's like, now I know why I do what I do and I still don't do anything about it. Or you have the tools to be able to do something about it, but you haven't gotten to the core as to why it's happened in the first place. And if that happens, then again you become even more frustrated because you know what you need to be doing differently, and yet you're still not doing it. This is what happens with a lot of people in procrastination, for example, um, is because they know they need to be doing something differently, or dieting, or anything else to do with health and well-being, or professionally as well. They know that what they need to do, but they haven't gotten to the core as to why they're not doing it. And that that has been huge for me going forward, and it's why it's become a huge part of what I what I coach executives on and what I speak on because of just the massive impact it's had in my
0: own life now as well as clients so let's talk more about that you know what mm-hmm. led you to pursue a career as a speaker and a coach
1: uh, it it came i you know i had no no intention of working with executives or owners of mid to large size companies which is most of the clients now i you know back in 2010 it was mid 2010 and i heard a neighbor screaming out from across the road one evening one of the neighbors, other neighbors, and, and I went across and through the back fence said, "I, are you okay? Is everything okay? And she said, my son's killed himself.
0: Wow. And
1: and we just looked at each other in disbelief and then ran through the house out to, out to the backyard to see a mother with a teenage son in her arms. Oh, and, uh, you know, it, it's a, something that I... We'll never forget. I can't even begin to imagine what the family had to go through. I, I went and looked after the while the other neighbor stayed out there. I went and looked after there were two little kids inside. So so here's the the boys' younger brother and sister inside. I, I went and looked after them while while you know their father came home, the grandparents came home, and the absolute look of helplessness on their faces as they came home because they they knew what had happened and mm-hmm. there's nothing they could do to bring them back. And, and out of that, there, there, I think there were, there were two things that happened for me. One was, was the belief that no one should have to go through that, not the family and everything they would have gone through afterwards, nor the teenage boy that felt like that was the only way out. And, and i I'd, be, I'd been there in feeling like that, all right, this is the only way, this is the only way out. And so the second part of that was there's people that need help. What are you doing about it? And at the time, nowhere near enough. And so I started searching around, and I would studied psychology for a couple of years before dropping out at, uh, in in university. And I think it p- partly it was the teaching style. I think partly it was that I just wasn't ready to learn what what I needed to learn back then. I was very much in party mode and you know, didn't really didn't really have the the desire to be of service. But, you know, it was all about myself, right and this time around, it was it was so different because now I had a purpose, a reason why I was going to actually study, and why I was going to learn what I was going to learn. And so, a few months later, I enrolled in a in a coaching course. It just happened to have executive and business coaching as well as the life coaching that I was going in there for. Uh, again, I, I had no intention of working with businesses or executives, uh, but as time went on, I and working with a number of clients and overcoming going through a huge amount of transformation of myself first. And I I didn't know how much work I had to do on myself to feel that I was able then ready to serve. And through that, I had worked with, I started working. There was it was one really small business owner, like a solo operator right at the start who came to me for help for his personal stuff. And, and business grew. And I started to see the correlation between emotional intelligence and business and mm. the ability to... Inspire the ability to increase performance, the ability to increase uh, financial results as well, and and that that got me really fascinated because as I became more and more passionate and and well versed in business and developed the team, then I yeah I grew a big big soft spot for it yeah um that you know these businesses the big, biggest personal development journey you'll ever go on <laughs> it's uh you know because you're faced with your own fears uh before you're selling other people's stuff but now you're selling yourself and you've got to go overcome all these kinds of challenges and so helping those kinds of people who are going through that those kinds of challenges is something that i've become really really passionate about and in addition to that helping them go through the challenges that they're experiencing personally as well um, so yeah that, that's how it got there and And speaking has been an extension of that and being able to use a grand piano on stage and blend the, the passion that I have for music and the, The impact I want to make from a coaching and training point of view. Uh, Being able to now have a a grand piano on stage
0: for the keynotes that I deliver is a pretty cool experience. Very nice. So what uh, prompted you to fuse those two together? Obviously, your love for music and growing up with Mm -hmm. a passion for that. And then, you know, finding, you know, this new identity and uh, comfort and strength for yourself through the coaching program, you went through and then, you know, wanting to be of service to others. But what, what kind of struck you, you know, maybe there's a, a way to blend music and coaching and speaking together?
1: Yeah, there's there's been a number of components to this. The first happened before any of this occurred where I, I was performing at a gig one night and it was at the end of a gig, like one o'clock in the morning or so. And everyone's just having a good time. Let's say that, me included. right? And uh, <laughs> uh, I got to the end of it and thought, it was just this beautiful light bulb moment of, this is not the place where somebody's going to come up the end and say, "Dude, I heard those lyrics in the in the second chorus, and man, they changed my life." And I'm going to go home, and I'm going to, you know, going to get my life in order. It just wasn't going to happen, right? It's just not the place for it. And so I didn't know how I was going to make a difference with music. I just knew I wanted to make a difference with music, and I knew that that vehicle of performing at bars and clubs and things like that wasn't the fit. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it wasn't a fit. So it had me then curious about what that might be. Then when I started the coaching course, I, I, I knew right away that I wanted to somehow infuse music into the, into the work that I was going to do. Again, I had no idea how to make that a commercially viable piece versus it just being a creative idea. And that's taken time, a lot of time to, to build that in a way that's perceived as unique and valuable versus just unique and corny. Yeah, because I'd seen people with a digital piano on stage are gone. Nah, it's got to be a grand piano. As time went on, it's got to be a grand piano or a, or a really cool looking upright uh, because the the digital ones just seem really corny. And the songs and the things that I perform, it's got to be classy. There's got to be really quality insights in there versus again it just feeling like a gimmick. And so 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 it has been very strategic in that regard. And then back in. 2017. So I by then had sold everything that I owned and I was living in Argentina after spending some time in the Colombian rainforest. And I had just, I'd filmed in Colombia and I'd filmed the rainforest and waterfalls and beaches, all with my drone, and some really remote locations. I got some amazing footage, like it really, just incredible.
0: I, I Why put, South America? What? What? what uh, uh, would do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I there, there was some not-for-profit projects that I wanted to be a part of, and uh, while I was there, and you know, I. I love the rainforest and just, you know, I, I lived in multiple places in, in 2017 there in Costa Rica and then Colombia and Argentina. And I was in Uruguay for, a, for about a week as well. And then up, up to Mexico and yeah, I, I, I love, love Latin America. I absolutely love it. But yeah, rainforest nature for me is, is a beautiful thing. So yeah, I, I was finishing off the editing of that and then my, I created the soundtrack on a grand piano in Buenos Aires in Argentina and in that time when i created that i i had this I, f- I found that each time that i go to a new country i kind of question almost my existence <laughs> and, it's, and it's not in a negative way but it's you know in a way of like what's next like what's what's the next phase of impact that I'm? What, what's the next challenge what's the next next level of legacy that i'm wanting to leave in the world and um when i was there in argentina i had this moment where i was just this question popped into my mind when I was in this challenging state of being and it was, and it's been such a powerful question. And the question was, if this all ends today, if I'm gone, what's the one thing I've regretted not doing? And it was such a beautiful question because I had in the past asked myself the question, you know, I'm 80 years of age, I'm sitting on a rocking chair and what's my life been about to make it worthwhile? And that's an amazing question to ask as well. But if you're 20, 30, 40, 50 years of age, you've got 30, 40, 50, 60 years left of your life to be able to make that happen. And that to me, can create complacency. What was the initial
0: answer that you came up with? The
1: initial answer came so rapidly. It was having a grand piano on stage while delivering a talk because this was the elusive dream that had been part of what I wanted to create, but hadn't quite been able to make it happen. And within three months, I because I was so committed then, in within three months, I was in Burlington, Canada, um, just out of Toronto. There was a conference that I spoke at and 700 people, there were two, two different conferences that day, 700 people at each, $100,000 grand piano on stage in this performing arts center, huge screen on the back, backdrop, featuring all of you know, the footage that I'd captured of Columbia while I performed the songs live on stage and delivered a talk on impact. And it was outstanding to have that first one come true, to see what's happened in the aftermath of that, and the opportunities that have developed from there. As time's gone on, it's been it's become a great point of difference now, and, and I'm now you know utilizing that in in more. Unique and powerful ways, and and continuing to ask myself how can I challenge what's possible. Whether it's videos that we're creating, music videos, video on stage, as well as music, and having in your monitoring synced up so that people get an experience they wouldn't get otherwise. It's about now really, really challenging what's possible because I've now I I, I know that it's a uh,
0: it's a workable model and a sustainable model. And I'm curious, you know, how has social media shaped the way that you build and manage your business?
1: Oh, it's been huge, man. <laughs> been huge in in a in a number of ways. So, uh, one of my songs, which is a song about bullying and suicide, called "Close to the Edge," is is just past two million organic views on on YouTube, and that's in 195 countries. It's been used in many school projects, film projects, dance projects, mini documentaries all over the world for mostly kids being able to tell their story, and that from an impact point of view of receiving. Messages from people saying that the song stopped them from killing themselves, is like, wow. yeah. The business side and the money side has been amazing. With other other areas, which I'll share in a moment, but just from an impact point of view and the ability to be able to touch people that I simply won't ever meet, let alone uh, you know have have the chance to travel to or or see in person or or potentially impact that from a leverage point of view has been a huge insight for me. So that that would be a big one within the social space as well. We we did a music video with people from 40 different countries around the world, and they were all complete strangers. Uh, some of those were, were attracted through social media. Others were through different contracting sites. We had people film in front of mountains and castles and rivers and ruins in these crazy locations around the world. For my part, we transported a grand piano to a place called Garden of the Gods in Colorado. And that was all for a For a music video that I performed live on stage during my closing talk at Italy's largest TEDx event. It was to demonstrate how the blend between technology and human curiosity can magnify the impact we make in the world if we use it in a powerful way. But the way that most people are utilizing it is it's taking them in the exact opposite direction. So that's it's been massive for that. LinkedIn has been a remarkable tool. I've hosted Uh, dinners and lunches for uh, for executives and business owners in nine cities across three countries now and uh, and just five years ago i'd never been overseas before (laughs) so it's just crazy how quickly how quickly you can build relationships when you do it in a again in a a purposeful and impactful way it's uh yeah social is, is a remarkable tool and that's exactly what it is it's a tool to be able to magnify your impact, and if you utilize it in that way, it can be a remarkable tool. If you don't, then it can be a really detrimental one.
0: Yeah. So obviously, it's you know allowed you to foster this sense of collaboration, bring people together, touch the lives of those maybe you'll never meet, and you know talk about some of these issues. But on the other hand, you know social media has created vanity and narcissism, and maybe some of this online bullying. So it's it's nice to see that it's being used as a tool for good and to spread this message, but recognize that there's kind of this darker side to it too if the technology is abused or used for these other purposes. And is that something that you address when you create your songs or, or do your, your uh, speaking sessions?
1: Yeah, it, it depends on the talk that I'm booked for and, and the certain topic that I'm writing about when it comes to a piece of music. So there, there was a, a song that I wrote called Our Modern Connection, which is exactly about that. Um, It's, it's about this, this disconnection that, that many of us are experiencing, you know, in in a world that's kind of more connected yet more disconnected and, and getting back to, yeah, the final, the final lyrics are, are about, you know, finding what it, what it really is about, which is about love for self. And then everything else becomes an extension of that. So yeah, within the lyrics, there are absolutely multiple songs that I've, that I've written now that are about that. And then yeah, within the within the speaking engagements, absolutely. When the topic is there, uh, I just got back from giving a a major talk in uh, on the coast in Mexico this beautiful resort. The conversation absolutely came up around that, and so yeah, it's a hugely important piece. And you know, I I believe it should be a compulsory. I think I mentioned earlier, a compulsory subject in schools uh, around emotional intelligence within schooling systems. It's uh, I think there's there's multiple responsibilities that have to occur. It's got to be from a Governmental point of view, it's got to be schooling systems, universities, companies, the companies that are actually making the products themselves, the people that are actually utilizing it, and parents as well. There are so many different facets to this. To to blame simply a social media company that it's your fault. It's like, well, they're they're a company. (laughs) It's it's like saying you need to stop making your food taste so good. That's uh, that's that's not what a company does. Like a company is there to make profit. That's at the end of the day, that's what it is. Yes, yes, it is to make impact as well. But at the end of the day, that's that's what a company is is there for. It's for that to survive. They need people coming back to it, but they need people utilizing it in a more purposeful way again. So that so again, I, I still utilize all the you know a lot of the platforms and utilize them a lot. But then I utilize time away from them as well. Uh, yeah. So that's where responsibility again to, to blame one source is to me is crazy. You, that, that's just that's just removing responsibility, and if you if you remove responsibility, you don't get to create the change around it because you're relying on somebody else to create the change, and that never helps.
0: Now you you mentioned LinkedIn for kind of the business side of the work mm. that you do, but I'm curious, you know, what other platforms have been impactful for you to to reach and engage your audience?
1: Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it, it's depending on on what. What's been released? So yeah, LinkedIn has been a and is oh man, it's a remarkable tool for building relationships. If you're in anyone tuning in, if you're B two B or looking to build relationships with any kind of professional, there is no other platform that I know that is even comes close to that. Then on the on the other spectrum, I mentioned about YouTube. YouTube's been amazing for the impact side, and uh, with that. Uh, song about bullying, for example. There's been another one, another few that have reached into hundreds of thousands, for example. Facebook has been has been great. My Columbia video that I mentioned about before got shared by the official Facebook page for Columbia. That's you know nearly a, a million organic views as well. That's been great. I I love. I mean, from a a Facebook point of view as well, releasing music videos has been great. We just released one recently, and and it's a, for me, it's a great way personally just keeping in touch with family i literally across the other side of the world so making sure depth of connection occurs there has been important instagram you know i'm, I'm not a huge user of it but i i use it and there's been you know one one of the, the artists from the music video with 40 countries around the world was living in the Maldives. i yeah you know, in the Maldives. oh wow reached out to me on on instagram and <laughs> just randomly and said i don't know if he'd seen the ad somewhere or, or but he reached out to me on instagram and sent me a message and said hey dude have you got any music projects? And, well, yeah, I do. Um, this is weird. I still remember I was I was in this beautiful house uh, on the ocean front, sea in Mexico, and uh, yeah, we jumped on a on a course, and he, and he said, "Well, can you send me across the track?" I said, "Yeah, I'll send you across the track." And he ended up, you know, a week later, he had the track back across, and they went and shot the video at this beautiful location on the beach, and he's amazing. We're still connected. At, it's amazing. So, so yeah. So you know, Instagram, while while it hasn't been a dominant one for me, it's 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 still been amazing in different ways. So the key is knowing what you're wanting to achieve, and then working out what platforms are best suited to that. There's people that say you've got to be on every single platform. I don't, I don't really agree with that because it comes down to what's going to give you the most. To me, the the most amount of leverage in the in the least amount of time. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can get on every, every platform and maybe maybe uh, repurpose the content. But for me, from a I get for example from a business point of view, uh, the insane amount of business comes from LinkedIn. Uh, we met on LinkedIn, didn't we? That's right.
0: Yeah. So yeah, and you, I did you it came one to one dinner, of my dinners in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It was incredible. Another great chance to connect with founders, and that's always been something that you know is kind of close to my heart is that this entrepreneurial journey. Is so unique that it's uh it's special and it's something you have to share with other people who understand the experience and what you're going through mm. and so it's always rewarding to connect with other entrepreneurs and, and founders you know hear about their journey as well yeah absolutely speaking of which you've actually had a chance to work with a number of entrepreneurs through your involvement with YPO how did you originally get involved with that organization and, and what has that experience been like yeah I mean
1: I, YPO is a remarkable organization I I love Love being a being a resource and speaking and you know, yeah, there's a number of number of clients that I work with as well. Um, I think it was in Toronto. I hosted a a lunch a number of years ago and one of the guys happened to be a, a member and said, Hey, I think you'd be a great person to, you know, be a resource for them and would you like me to introduce you? And I said, Yeah, that'd be great. And again, I had no, no, <laughs> just go into it with curiosity, right? That's what I love about conversations. You go into it with curiosity, see how you can help, see how you can be of service, and you never know who they know. And that's exactly what happened there, as has happened in many, many different occasions now. And so, yeah, that, that, you know, relationship continues to, continues to develop. It's a beautiful synergistic relationship, and it's been great to be a part of.
0: In your work with early stage companies, you know, what are some of the mistakes that you you see them make? Or what are some of the advice that you share with first time founders?
1: One of the major ones, I mean, this happens throughout the journey, because there's always another level but it, it comes down to what you believe you're worth. Because if you I, and I see this time and time again, like you said it can be a really tough journey, because if you're working for somebody else, you're selling their products and services. Mm. You start a company, and you're the first. It's the first time you've started a company. It's the first time you've had to sell yourself. Yeah, even if you've been in sales roles, you've been still selling somebody else's product or service. Now it's you, <laughs> right? And uh, I, I had no idea that that was the case when I first went into business. And, and all of a sudden you're faced with all these kinds of fears. It could be imposter syndrome. It could be the fear of not being good enough. It could be the fear that you know, that your products aren't, aren't cut out for it, that somebody else is better than you. Comparison to other people, all of these emotional components and behavioral components that come up and rear their ugly heads When you're exposing yourself to those situations in terms of starting a company, that can be, you know, it can be when it comes to marketing, it can become when it's when it's sales, when it comes to hiring people. And if you don't overcome that, then you are setting yourself up for a really rough ride. A really, really rough ride. Because you can have all the sales processes, all the different systems in place that you like. But if you don't have that, that's gonna get magnified as you then bring people on board and the type of leadership that you that you bring out. If you have trust issues, yeah, you're going to struggle to delegate. If you are a big picture person, you're going to struggle to build systems. If you are a detailed person, you're going to struggle to have a bigger vision and attach to that vision. So it comes down to not only what your limits are from a, you know, what you've gone through in your life, but also understand what your strengths, natural strengths and weaknesses are from a behavioral profiling point of view, a natural, you know, everybody is, you you might be a big picture person, you might be a detail person, you might be a people person, you might hate people, right? Having clarity about that, to then be able to navigate what you need, who you need to hire, what strategy you need to put in place, what systems need to be there, allows you to more strategically do that versus feeling like you're just constantly putting out fires. So that there's there's a few of the key things that I've that I see and come up against. And then at the end of the day, you know, first-time founders and if you're you know in startup phase, at the end of the day, it's time and money. Yeah. You need to either make more money or you need to save more time. That's what you've got to get really great at. And again, the way to do that is through yourself and developing yourself and yes, getting other great people on board. But you know, if you're starting out, like really starting out and it's just you you've got to be able to hit the pavement and you've got to be able to sell. And if you've got any doubts about your abilities, if you've got any doubts coming up or any fears coming up, get over that because otherwise it's going to shine through and people will go, oh, I don't know what it was about that person. They're just, oh, I don't know, this was, something wasn't quite right. They're going to smell it coming a mile away, but they won't know what it is. They'll just go, there's just something wasn't quite right and they'll go in somewhere else. So yeah, there are a few things that, I, that I've that i seen, that I've uh one come up against myself and had to overcome and and you know with people as well when working with them
0: yeah that's great insight and advice especially for people who are you know new to entrepreneurship and in the coaching and the mentoring that i do with uh, university students i talk to them a lot about understanding some of those myths about startup culture before you jump into it get some experience read books listen to podcasts talk to other people about their experience because you learn so much just uh, hearing about you know what they've gone through and trying to avoid the mistakes that they've made that can be you know, one of the best teachers
1: absolutely yeah theres pe- there's people that have made the mistakes that can help you to avoid them utilize that be smart about it uh, value your time very very much because it is such a finite
0: resource at the end of the day we've got a specific amount of time well i want to switch gears a little bit and ask you a few rapid fire questions before we wrap up Um, the first is you know thinking ahead you know what's coming next particularly in the online video digital media space you know what are some of your predictions for the future
1: i see personalized content is is continuing to grow and so that would be if we're going for really short rapid fire answers personalizing it so that you're able to target specifically your market and, and finding better ways of doing that, and you know, platforms are continuing to build out algorithms that
0: allow people to receive the content they really want to experience. Are you noticing some examples of that, either you know, in the platforms you work with, or trying to incorporate that into the content that you create?
1: Yeah, the, I mean, the content that I create, absolutely. You know, there was a a video that I did, for example, out of out the back end of one of the recent conferences that I did. It was very, very targeted towards a specific group of people. It was, uh, there was social proof built into it, into, in in terms of case studies, it was people sharing what we actually did, how the conference impacted them, versus me just talking about it. Because, you know, when it comes to social proof, it's, uh, it's much better to have somebody else talking, talking your praise versus you talking about it. So, and that's had, Huge results for me. It's it's resulted in multiple speaking engagements already. That that video, yes, there's been other strategies to build in with that because video, you know, is just one component of a of a much larger strategy. But that for me, yeah, I, I've now got speaking engagements in, in other parts of the world and closing in on, on about five to six others as well already. And that that video now came out a few weeks ago, so that that's been a massive one.
0: Very cool. What does the future hold for you in your career? You know, spanning across music, speaking, and coaching.
1: Yeah, it's just continuing to challenge what's possible in each of those spheres. So continuing to work with pretty remarkable human beings in the coaching space and one-on-one space. Uh, speaking is creating even more unique and valuable experiences. And the more crazy, the better for me and the more unique locations. So, you know, in the next three to five years, I it looks like there'll probably be somewhere between 15 to 20 countries that I'll be speaking in. So I'm I'm really excited about that. And then the music side is, you know, continued... The goal is to be releasing 20 new songs every year for the coming decade and and, and beyond, you know, having a good team on board has been really important in, in us being able to set those, those objectives and then music videos. So uh, there's a number of potentials coming up, a number on the impact side. So we'd love to continue building out social impact campaigns that, that utilize music as a source of that. And then on the other end, uh, simply <laughs> taking grand pianos to crazy locations and and recording music videos there and having actors involved to, to help tell the story and releasing those online through through the different platforms. The music side as well, I've, there's about 20 countries in Europe that I've found have grand pianos in them that I can go and uh, lease for at least a month at a time to go and create new music on. So yeah, in the next five to six years, I'd like to get to each of those 20 countries at least to write new music and continue putting myself into places where which is very
0: conducive to my own creativity. I love it. Very cool. And I encourage everyone listening to go and check out some of your videos uh, because not only is the music, you know, very powerful, but the message behind it and then the content itself is, is terrific. So I encourage people to check that out and look forward to some of the new content that you'll be releasing soon. Thanks man. You know, the next question I ask, I ask everyone who comes on the show because I find so many entrepreneurs, founders, you know, are listening in. So uh, you know, if you were starting a business in the digital media space today, knowing everything you know and and you know all the lessons you've learned along the way, what would you do? Oh, that's a good question. I, for me,
1: it's been a, a huge amount of this is relationships, and so the the best advice I would give is build out a a wide and deep network. Of remarkable human beings that you can be of value to, not just by serving them in terms of clients, but being able to share insights, being able to introduce them. I, I introduce hundreds of people every single year, and I don't expect anything in return. Anything. I know I'm gonna receive in return from somewhere, but I don't need it. And that that has been that's been the secret source for me. All the other stuff can flow, but at the end of the day. If relationships are so incredibly important and valuable. And if you can build out and genuinely it's this isn't just networking, oh, I'm gonna switch some business cards. No, this is a this is a, a wide network of people and deep network of people who respect you, people who are inspired by you. And these people are are making things happen as well because it's it's not about just one person and going, oh, can I work with that person? they might be able to introduce you to people where you could do business with 10 people, 50 people, 1,000 people, 10,000 people, yeah? The power of leverage from your network is massive and that for me has been the most enjoyable way to do business and, and it's been using social for that, right? Because, uh, and video has been a big part of that so, for them to be able to see, right, this is who, who this crazy guy is from the other side of the world. Uh, why would I have a conversation with you? Uh, so there is there is that you know, video and social built into it, I, I don't know of, of a better strategy for building business and building relationships. So that's, uh, that's what it is for me, man. Um, it's just a, it's such an enjoyable way of doing business. And then everything else flows from that. Video flows from that. Social flows from that. Speaking flow, you know, speaking engagements flows from that. Different marketing campaigns flow from that. Uh, but that is a foundational level.
0: Oh, man, it's, uh, it's remarkable. I couldn't agree more. It's all about people. It's all about those relationships, you know, nurturing with them, having that kind of spirit of generosity and always seeking to give uh, rather than receive. It's uh, it's the best way to build a career. Absolutely, man. Well, Cameron, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Uh, where can people find out more about you, discover your content, and learn more about opportunities for speaking and coaching with you?
1: Yeah, thanks, man. I And first of all, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come and share. Hopefully, it's been... really valuable for those listening in for those tuning in as well like take at least one piece of information here and and choose an action that you're going to take so that this doesn't just become more information for you but it becomes something that actually creates impact for you and allows you to do something versus just talk about doing something and thanks james for for creating valuable content for people to be able to you know make the impact that they want to make going forward so thank you for the opportunity and uh, in terms of the uh, the location, CameronBrown.co is the website. Social handles across all platforms are is Cameron Brown real, and so things like YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Insta, that, that kind of stuff. So yeah, they're the they're the different platforms, and um,
0: yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Terrific, Cameron. Thank you again. Uh, this has been so phenomenal to we'll get to hear about your story, and uh, again, encourage everyone listening to go and check out that content. And thank you for being on the show. Totally, man. It's been an absolute blast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm James Creech, and this has been another edition of All Things Video. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll share and subscribe for new episodes. See you next time.